Hey guys, I'm your host, Connor Schertzma. This is the weekly podcasted edition of the Double Double. I'm with my amazing co-host, Noah Dankin. Noah, how are you doing today? Doing pretty awesome. And we are also joined by a great guest and Evan. Evan, how are you doing today? Doing good. How are you guys? Great, man. Can't complain. You know, like I always say, it's a Saturday, best day of the week. All right. So getting into sports talk, a lot's happening this weekend with the NBA. Tomorrow will be the all-star events. All four all-star events will be held tomorrow. This is the first time that all four events have, be, have been held on the single day. And many fans are anticipating that this will be, you know, like an action-packed day because you got, you know, the dunk contest, the skills challenge, the all-star game, and the slam dunk contest. The first event we will be talking about is the skills challenge. And it will feature players such as Robert Covington, Luka Doncic, Chris Paul, Julius Randle, Sabonis and Nikolai Vucevic. Uh, going over to you, Evan, who do you think, who is your favorite to win the skills competition? I'd like to see it come down to either Don Chich or Chris Paul, you know, both two guys really good with the basketball, really like just technical sound players and being guards, I think does give them an edge up in the competition against uh, the other forwards and a uh, center. Yeah, and Luka Doncic, I mean, obviously, he's a great playmaker, great shooter. He can he can pretty much do everything on the court. Uh, going over to you, Noah, who, do, who are your favorites for this? Yeah, I've got a couple of kind of underdog picks for this one. So, I mean, it's kind of fun watching centers kind of do their thing in, in the skills competition. So, I'm kind of hoping it maybe comes down to when it's some, someone like Julius Randle or maybe even Vucevic. Uh, I think I think it'd be really interesting to see them kind of make it towards the end of that competition and kind of show what they can do. Because I mean, both of them have been having absolutely fantastic seasons so far, uh, doing doing a, a chunk of of the workload for their teams, respectively. You know, so I think it'd be interesting to see one of those guys kind of make it far, and maybe even win it. Yeah, and I think your point against about the underdogs. I mean, it seems like every year I've watched this competition, the underdogs are the ones that go far in the contest. Like if you remember last year, Jason Tatum was the expected favorite to win it. And he, he made a first round exit. He was beaten. And, you know, so I think players like, you know, Chris Paul and Luca, you, you expect them to win because, you know, they're the big names in the NBA. But I find it very interesting, like you said, with Sabonis and Vucevic and, you know, Covington, players like that, they don't get as much attention. So I think it's also notable to look out for them because it seems like the less known players are the ones who always win it. I mean, last year, Bam out of bio, not saying that he's not as known, but he wasn't, you know, Jason Tatum level. So I find it very interesting that he won that last year. And I, I'm choosing Sabonis to win this year because last year he got in second place next to Bam. So I think, you know, Sabonis, I mean, he's not the most amazing three-point shooter, but he is for a big man. He can shoot. Um, and I think, you know, his playmaking and dribbling is really underrated. I mean, he's pretty quick for a big man. So, you know, it, it comes to that too. Um, what are your thoughts on Sabonis, Evan? I think he's a bigger guy that could definitely come in and make an impact. Like you guys said, a lot of underdogs tend to come in, make a bit of an impact in this. I'd also be looking at Robert Covington. I mean, just a guy absolute no one's talking about in this competition right now. Just throw it out there right now because, I mean, if it hits, then heard it here first. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you got to make those long shot calls. And like you said, if if he does win, in fact, you get all the credit for that. Going over to you, Noah. Are there any players that you think, you know, will not perform as expected or like underperform? Yeah, you know, I mean, Chris Paul, he's obviously one of the most solid point guards we've ever seen in the league. Uh, he, he's pretty much keeping up with LeBron to a certain point uh, in age and his performance uh, in games wise. So, I mean, he, he's done a pretty fantastic job for the Suns, especially this season as well. But I mean, I'd be kind of interested to see him maybe take an early exit just because, I mean, you know, we know, we know how skilled he is at passing the ball and, and shooting and his just all around capabilities. I mean, he, he's a fantastic overall player. So I think, I think Chris Paul, we're, we're probably going to see him maybe, maybe take a first or a second round exit to my guy Vucevic maybe, you know? So I, I think that would be kind of entertaining to see. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think that would be funny to see because, you know, he's a veteran, so we expect him to be clutch in times like this where it's like just him. We're, we're all, all eyes on him. And if he, you know, misses a pass or two, I think that could be, you know, potentially surprising. And I wouldn't – I don't think it's going to be out of the ordinary to see things that are out of the ordinary, if that makes sense. So, you know, expect the unexpected. I mean, simply, that's how the skills contest always works. Uh, so, yeah, going to the next contest, the, the three-point contest, and it will feature amazing shooters. I mean, you got the former three-point contest champions and Devin Booker and Steph Curry, I mean, 
And they're also going to be joined by, you know, great players, two Celtics players, actually, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, followed by Zach Levine and Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz. Going over to you first, Evan, do you have any favorites in this contest? I'm going to go with the guy you two were talking about a lot last week, um, Jalen Brown with Boston, um, just coming out into the three-point contest. I believe he's knocking down around 38% on the year from behind the three-point line. I mean, uncovered in the three-point contest environment. It would be fun to see a guy like him pop off and dethrone guys like Curry or uh, Booker, you know. I think Brown could be that up-and-coming guy for, like, three-point shooters. Yeah, and he, from the corner, he's an amazing three-point, you know, from the corner, he, I think that's where he should place, you know, the majority of of his double-point balls, because I feel like if he places them in the corners, he can obviously catch up to more consistent shooters like Steph Curry, but I wouldn't underestimate Jalen Brown either, because he is, he's a pretty clutch shooter, and he does make that clutch three occasionally. Uh, Going over to you, Noah, do you have any favorites in this contest? No, I think for my favorite, honestly, uh, I was going to have to, I was going to say Devin Booker until he got unfortunately injured uh, and replaced by Mike Conley, which is another pretty fantastic three-point shooter. But I think I've got to go with Zach Levine on this one. I mean, he's been having quite a fantastic season. Um, he's, he's been doing really great, averaging 29 points, I believe, for the Bulls so far. Uh, he's been doing a majority of the workload for them scoring-wise. So, I, I, I mean, he's been incredible from the three-point line, I think covering around 40%. So I, I'm going to have to go with Zach Levine as my favorite on this one. And I, just to add, I, I'm a little disappointed in this, but not seeing Seth Curry there, who is hovering at about a 50% three-point chance, like shooting percentage. I mean, it's just incredible. And I, I guess looking at some of the lists, it, they've kind of decided to take a lot of the all-stars that are going to be playing in the games and using them for these kind of these uh, side uh, events. So I think that's probably the only reason he didn't make it in there. And I'm, this is just maybe a COVID protocol thing, just to make sure that they can kind of keep it a little more controlled and bring less players into that, into that space, just to kind of keep it at a, at a safe distance for everyone. But yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with Zach Levine on that. And yeah. Yeah. And Zach Levine, I don't know if you, I, do one of you guys know that? Would that be the first player to win the dunk contest and the three point contest? Oh, yeah, that would be interesting. I, I can't recall anyone ever doing that recently. Yeah, I didn't think so either because, I mean, just think about that, to be Aaron Gordon in the dunk contest and then to be a player like Steph Curry, like the most renowned three-point shooter of all time, I think that would be, you know, he could brag to his kids about that for years and years to come. Uh, my my favorite, I mean, I don't want to be a homer or anything. I'm not even a Golden State fan, but Steph Curry, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the video from about two months ago, but he had 105 three-pointers in a row. It was a continuous video. He was just hitting one after another. And I can't think of any other player who can, you know, get that hot from the three-point line. I mean, he's just he's just very consistent, and he's participated in these contests before, so I don't think he's going to feel, you know, any pressure compared to younger players like Donovan Mitchell and Zach Levine. I mean, they all can perform, you know, perfectly under pressure, but I think Steph Curry just has that extra, you know, clutch gene in him. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him win it. Um, I'll be curious to see, do you think he has a chance of going perfect from the field in one of the competitions? Steph Curry? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he, he, has a, he, he has a chance to go perfect from three, the three-point three zone in, in actual NBA games sometimes, you know? So, I mean, I, I can't see him, I can't see him, you know, missing that many, you know, hopefully. I, I'm, I'm guessing we're probably going to see a pretty, a pretty matured Stephen Curry, especially just because he's kind of going into his, his, he's 31, 32 now. So he's kind of getting up there in age and he's just got a lot of, a lot of skill that he's built up over these past couple of years. I mean, he is, like you said, Connor, one of the deadliest three point shooters in NBA history. So, I mean, you really, you can't expect anything less than what he's been doing uh, from that three point zone. So yeah, I think Steph Curry, I like that pick. I think Steph Curry's got a great chance at winning this. Yeah, and he, I mean, like you said, exactly right there. He he is, you know, known for his three-point game. I mean, he changed the game of basketball. He's like one of those revolutionary figures who, if you're on a fast break now, you might go to the three-point line and take a three before Curry. We really didn't see that. Uh, do you guys have any, like, um, players in this competition that you think could potentially um, let us down, you know, not do as well going over to you, Evan? Yeah, definitely. I mean, 
letting people down in the three-point contest really isn't that big of a deal to any of these guys if they go out and flunk it's whatever three-point but I mean Jason Tatum is the one guy where like I have the most question marks about like will he be able to knock him down like consistently and I mean he's the only guy that I'd have questions about but going back to what you were talking about um no one has ever won the three-point contest and the dunk contest Donovan Mitchell and Zach Levine could be the first players to do it if either of them wins this year. That's a crazy point because I didn't even realize Donovan Mitchell. And then didn't he win the contest in 2018, the dunk contest? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't even think about that until you just mentioned that. That's crazy. Um, I was going to say, you know, a sleeper. I was going to say Devin Booker until he got injured. I mean, it's the Kardashian curse. I mean, I don't. I don't usually bring up stuff out of basketball, but, you know, there is a curse there, and it's, you know, A-plus NBA players who have – their careers have tanked after dating a Kardashian, so I think it is real. Uh, going over to you, Noah, is there any player that you think is going to have a downfall or not meet expectations for this contest? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to stick with Evan on this one. I mean, uh, especially recently, the Boston Celtics have kind of been lacking uh, in, the, in their performances. Uh, so, I mean – we could expect that to maybe leak a bit over into this three-point contest. So I'm, I'm going to say people that I have low expectations for, but still, you know, of course they're going to do all right. But my low expectations are definitely for both of those Boston Celtic boys, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And yeah, I don't think that's out of the, you know, question because they are both very young players and, you know, not that they'll get nervous during that, but they haven't experienced events like this before because, you know, Curry's done it multiple times. And you got other players. I, Zach Levine's also done this, I think, once or twice now. So I think it'll be interesting how experience does pay off in this. Now, going to the dunk contest, um, many people are already calling this the letdown because you, you know, you put in players like Obi Toppin and Casey Stanley and Onfrey Simmons. They're not really big names. And more specifically, Casey Stanley, he's on a two way contract. So, you know, he's not always in the NBA. He's, you know, he's in the minor league sometimes. So I think that's interesting you know, their selection process here. Going over to you, Evan, do you think they should have picked bigger names just to, you know, spark more uh, conversations around this contest? Going with what I think Noah was saying, you know, they I feel like with the rest of the competitions, they did a really good job at, like, keeping it within the stars that were going to be at the event in the first place. And I feel with the dunk contest, they said, any prior thinking we put into that before, screw it. And, I mean, these are just... Three no-name guys. Like, no one cares about it. Like, who's going to watch the dunk contest this year based on player names? Maybe other family members. I'm, yeah. pro I'm probably not going to watch the dunk contest. I have no interest in it because there's no stars in it. You need to bring out your best dunkers, your biggest highlight playmakers. Why hasn't Giannis – why isn't Giannis in it this year? Why isn't – I mean, you have so many great centers and great dunking guards there this year. It could have been such a great show, especially in the environment it's going to be in a smaller showcase, you know, but I don't know. I've, I'd like to see Cassius Stanley, def, the two-way player, take it. He uh, broke Zion's vertical jump record at, while he was at Duke, and if we could see some high-flying plays out of him, that'll be enough for me to say, yeah, I'll watch the highlights on the internet. Yeah, and I think your point about, you know, maybe not people watching it because there's just not big names. I think you're exactly right there. I mean, it is going to be performed during the halftime of the All-Star, so maybe people will just, you know, continue to watch the All-Star game. So that could help the case, but still, I don't think many people are going to be paying that close of attention to it. Like you, also, my favorite was Casey Stanley. I mean, I think it'd just be a good story because he is, you know, as I mentioned, a two-way player. So I think it'd be interesting to, you know, kind of make a name for himself. Not that the dunk contest, you know, makes you a – household name or anything but it does get attention drawn to your name uh, going over to you Noah do you have any favorites in this competition uh, I mean I'm gonna have to go with Evan on this one I remember watching Cassius Stanley back when he played for Duke and man has that boy got some hops he went he went under the radar for how high that man could jump uh, some of his dunks that he had were extremely incredible and like like you guys are saying like these guys are are really kind of no names so far in the NBA that haven't made their presence known Throughout the game, maybe Obi Toppin just a little bit on the, on the Knicks. He might be – he's kind of coming into a good player on there. But, yeah, other than these three guys, the only person uh, on and any of these uh, side events that isn't an all-star is Robert Covington. So, uh, I, I think it's kind of just going to be – it's going to be a fun show because these guys really it's, – it's kind of unfortunate to say, but these guys are kind of probably looking forward to this the most. 
because they they're not as they don't get to perform as much for their NBA teams in the in the real season. So I think they're going to just have a, a fun time and get to show some of their stuff, especially the hops. So I, th- I think it'll be a fun watch, even though we don't really know who many of them are or know their skills yet. But I, I think it'll be fun. Yeah. And, you know, your point about it's their moment to shine because most of these, you know, guys, Obi Top and Rookie, they don't get a lot of playing time right now. So I think, you know, this is, you know, this is their time to, you know, stand out from the others. Uh, not going too far off topic here, but do you think if you, they did a contest, you know, with the three-point shooters, I mean, just look at the list. I mean, some of the three-point shooters, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Donovan Mitchell, Zach Levine, they can all dunk. So, I mean, you got to ask yourself here, do you think if the three-point contestants did a dunk contest instead, that that would be a better dunk contest? Uh, going over to you, uh, Noah. Yeah, you know, I, I think it would be fun. Yeah. Like you said, a lot of those guys that are in that three-point contest list are, are extremely good dunkers. So, I mean, what do you know? Maybe some of them stop, you know, stop hitting threes, and that kind of just turns into a, a dunk contest all of a sudden. And it just kind of transforms into poor Steph Curry, of course, would be kind of down for the count because I, he's not really known for that stuff. But it would be fun to watch the other guys. But, yeah, you're right. There's, there's a lot of talented dunkers there. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can kind of take their talents to a, a different event. Yeah, and I, I, I don't, I honestly don't know what they're doing with this, you know, dunk contest. Uh, going over to Evan, I mean, do you think they just really had a missed opportunity, being the NBA of putting this list together and not including some of those guys that were maybe in the three-point contest? Some NBA fans may claim heresy against me, but I'd rather watch those bottom five on the three-point contest, um, xing out Steph Curry do a dunk contest, then I'd rather watch all of them do a three-point contest. Like, I'd rather see a dunk contest with the five guys that are in than watch a three people just shoot threes like they're Phillip Rivers in rec league. Like, dunks are more exciting. They're more entertaining. They get more clicks on the internet. That's what trends. Like, why isn't the NBA capitalizing on what one of the most exciting plays in their sport is? Exactly. Like you're saying, I mean, you know, three point, the three point shot has become a part of the game. But, you know, when you go to YouTube, you don't look up. I mean, most people aren't going to look up a three point contest. They're going to look up a dunk contest. And this year might be the opposite of that case. I mean, you'll probably have more people, you know, looking up the three point contest results on YouTube than the dunk contest. And that says something that they really messed up here. Uh, Okay, so, you know, I think we spent enough time there. So we're going to go over to the all star game itself. It's definitely going to be an action-packed day. I mean, you had Kevin Durant and LeBron James, two of the veterans in this league, drafting against one another. Sadly, Kevin Durant, you know, is going to be out with an injury, but he will be replaced by Jason Tatum in the starting lineup. Going over to you, Evan, do you have a favorite team in this contest, or do you think someone drafted particularly well? I'm team LeBron James, you know. He didn't draft – I mean, of course, KD's injured on his own, and then Anthony Davis injured also on the all-star lineup because of the draft. And um, But LeBron James, I mean, when you have the combination of LeBron and my boy Giannis, I can't go against that. It's going to be a fun game to watch either way. But seeing um, some matchups like maybe some Zion on Giannis, Zion on LeBron, Zion on um, Luka, like we're going to get to see a lot of kind of key matchups between the teams here. And I'm excited to watch them deke it out. Yeah. I think your point about Zion, I mean, he probably grew up watching most of these guys like LeBron, who's 36 year old. Now I want, what was Zion? He must've been 10 when LeBron was in his prime. I mean, 10 to 12. So I think it, it, it will be a very cool experience for Zion. I think they should do a lot of coverage and backstory around that. I think that'd be, you know, pretty awesome. Going over to you, Noah, do you have a favorite in this contest? I think without a question, it's definitely got to be LeBron James and that just absolutely disgusting looking team. I mean, for the past couple of all-star seasons, LeBron and Yanis have had to be the, the, the head coach, you know, the, the, the pickers for both of the teams because they're just obviously two of the best players in the NBA. So to see those guys finally get to work together and play together is going to be really special. Cause I mean, it's kind of been like, you've never really seen those two interact. So seeing what could be between those two, if it, if something, something ridiculous ever does happen, this is going to be really fun. And then of course, finishing it off with Jokic, I mean, pretty much Mr. MVP so far, 
uh, throughout the, this half of the season. So, I mean, really, you can't go wrong with this team. I mean, of course, the other team's got guys like Bradley Beal, a couple of other decent guys, but I mean, this this team that LeBron drafted just looks like something you'd go into a video game for and kind of just pick the five best players in the NBA and then just be like, all right, this is my team and I'm going to use them. So I think it's going to be super fun to watch them go off against the other, the other team in this All-Star game. Yeah, and you know, you made a good point. It looks like LeBron's team is so much more overpowered. I mean, I'm, I watched the, you know, draft on YouTube, the little draft, and I don't when KD had some of his picks, I'm surprised that he, I mean, I get it's his teammate Kyrie, but he chose Kyrie first of all the starters. Um, you know, I thought that was very questionable when you have other guys like Jokic and even Curry. I mean, people aren't noting Curry a much. It's going to be LeBron, Curry, and Giannis on the same team. So, you know, three of the best players, they're all top five players. And then you got Luka and Jokic. I mean, they're all five of those starters are, you know, the top playmakers in the league. And then you go to their bench and you have, you know, one of the best passing point guards of all time in Chris Paul and the most clutch point guard, you know, currently in this league, I believe, is Damian Lillard. I mean, this team just looks absolutely stacked. Um, Evan, do you think Kevin definitely missed some F opportunities in his draft? If you're Kevin Durant, you can't not pick your teammate with that first pick. That's going to cause issues in the locker room beyond what the all-star game is going to be. It's not worth it. I mean... Just get your guys on your team, work together, and you can go from there. They're going to – I mean, if anything, let's talk about the added chemistry to KD's roster because he has a – I mean, he's not even playing, so that doesn't come into effect. But um, just having his own guy as his uh, top pick, I think, was a uh, big for kind of like the tension that has been kind of in Brooklyn throughout the season. Yeah, and, you know, Kyrie is a – I don't want to say it's sensitive guy, but he has a lot of drama around him this season. So, you know, I think you'll actually make a really good point that I didn't realize that, you know, maybe he needed to pick him in order to keep that chemistry going with the Brooklyn Nets. And also found it interesting that, you know, his first uh, Kevin Durant's first bench pick was James Harden. So maybe he really is going for that whole chemistry thing. And he's like, okay, maybe the all-star game is not that important. And it's more about the regular season. I go into, you know, I do think, you know, this game will be as competitive as it was last year, you know, with all the, you know, Mamba mentality rules that they incorporate in the fourth quarter. And, you know, they really just played their hearts out for Kobe last year. I mean, you know, rest his soul. But do you think they'll, they'll be that same level of um, competition there this year? Yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see if they, they are. That's a good point, because, I mean, they definitely had something to play for that last All-Star game being in the passing of Kobe Bryant. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of rebounds this next year, seeing if maybe they, because I'm guessing they're going to use the, are they using the same settings for the, for the game as they did the, the, yeah, the, the fourth quarter, so, it's like to a certain point total and then the game ends. Okay. Yeah. Right. Of course. So I think they're going to, I think they'll be able to have a little bit of fun with it, but I think what I'm most excited about is kind of seeing Bradley Beal interact with some better players. You know, I mean, that poor guy who's just stuck on the Washington wizards doing a chunk of the work. Russell, Russell Westbrook recently has been making his presence known a little bit with a couple of triple doubles here and there, but I mean, yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see Bradley Beal kind of interact with these guys. I mean, because in these next couple of years, these could be some of the guys that he might play with uh, if he does decide to leave Washington. So I'm just super excited to see Beal kind of interact with these guys. And another note, I just thought it was hilarious that all the Utah Jazz players and Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert got picked second to last and dead last. I mean, it's just the funniest thing ever seeing them on the bottom of the reserves list for both teams. I just I think that's the funniest thing ever. But yeah, I think this is going to be a pretty fun game. And yeah, I mean, with the whole Jazz thing, they are the number one team in the NBA, and yet they're, both of their players went last. So, you know, you know, Chuck, Charles Barkley alluded to that, and he's like, you chose these two guys last, and, you know, they're probably the top players in the league, and you're not giving them enough credit. So I just found that, you know, pretty great. Uh, so, you know, we spent a lot, a lot of time on the All-Star break, so, you know, I'm going to move it along. Uh, we're going to continue with the basketball talks, and we're going over to the Blake Griffin buyout. Recently, Detroit star Blake Griffin has reached an agreement with the Pistons in which the team will buy out the rest of his contract so that he can enter unrestricted free agency. Uh, going, going over to Evan, do you, do you have a favorite team to get him? And do you think this was a good move by Blake Griffin? I mean, it's already been reported by Shams Charania uh, of The Athletic that his number one potential landing spot right now is the Brooklyn Nets. 
thing is there are 55 million dollars in cap hell and there's i mean if they want him there they will figure out a way to structure a contract so the money's moved to different years and they'll bring him in but i do like that spot for um blake griffin if he wants to ring chase right now which i think at this point in his career is deserved but um for the detroit because they um waived him they automatically picked up a 25.6 million dollar dead cap hit to next season meaning they're also going to be feeling kind of a cap repercussions from this but it's expected that they're going to go into full tank mode next season and just kind of cheap players cheap roster like whatever the minimum is save up money and get ready to like make a run to compete and draft well in the coming seasons following the 2021-2022 NBA season. Yeah, and your point about them, you know, not really expecting to compete in these next few years, I think it's a perfectly valid point. I think they're, you know, they're probably the number one team that you'll think of when you consider the term rebuild right now. I mean, they just got rid of their star player. They are in a rebuild and, you know, they're not going to be contenders anytime soon, but they they are trying to build that future. And you can see this with the buyout. Uh, going over to you, Noah, do you think this was a good move by Detroit? And do you think this will be like a good situation for Blake Griffin? Yeah, this is an absolutely, I think it was a needed move for Detroit almost. Um, just looking at the numbers that he's been putting up this season, uh, and then especially when he just kind of, when all those talks were starting to go around and it just decided that he was not going to be playing games. I mean, I think, I think it was pretty obvious that he was on his way out. So I'm really glad that they were able to come to a decision and kind of figure it out. Because I mean, that man has an absolutely enormous contract. I mean, 39 million for what he was doing is, is just not it. It's just not something you like to see. So, and to see him give back uh, 13.3 million of his contract in that buyout, I mean, that kind of does give teams a little more leeway as to like spending money on him, but still that's just a lot of money to be spending on Blake Griffin. And looking at some of these top teams that are kind of in the running to get him, I think the Trailblazers are up there, but I don't see them kind of taking in another kind of veteran, almost veteran player, because uh, they've already got Carmelo, who's doing pretty decent for them. So I don't think they're going to end up bringing in someone like Blake Griffin and kind of, kind of trying to incorporate him on their team. But the team I kind of want to see him go to is the Warriors. I feel like the Warriors are kind of in need of someone that's got a little bigger stature uh, and who can kind of control the paint a little bit. Of course, Draymond Green is an absolutely fantastic center for them, but he's, he's fantastic on the defensive end. So maybe bringing in Blake Griffin to see if they can kind of give him an extra spark to try to get him going for these next couple of years, which are probably going to be his, his last couple of years where he's going to be decent. So I'm kind of interested to see him go there. But I think any team that gets him is going to be able to make a good use of him. Uh, it's just going to be dependent, dependent really on if they have the money and if, they're just, if they really want to decide to spend it on him. Yeah, and, you know, Blake Griffin, I mean – Back to Evan, or yeah, Evan's earlier point. I think he is ring chasing at this point. I don't think money's a huge um, motivator for him. I think he, you know, in order to maybe even get a wisp of giving, getting into the Hall of Fame, he needs to win a championship. Um, so I think it's, you know, interesting, like the teams you said, like the Trailblazers and Golden State, that he would go to teams, you know, with, you know, veterans like himself so that he can possibly, you know, pair with them and make a championship run. Also, like that next pick, Evan, um, I think, you know, he could do a lot. Him and DeAndre, not De DeAndre Aiden, um, him and KD being picked or paired up together, I think that would be, you know, an interesting combination because they're just both bigger players. And despite, you know, many people saying focusing on Kevin Durant's offense, I think he can play, you know, pretty good defense. He is pretty lengthy. So I think, you know, that would be – they become a very good defensive team. Uh, another pick that I want to get your guys' um, thoughts on are maybe, you know, the Arizona, the Suns, I mean, the Phoenix Suns, I mean, because, you know, you got players like Chris Paul and they used to be teammates there. So I think, you know, maybe he might consider going there to play with Chris Paul because they were, you know, a pretty, they had a pretty good relationship. So Evan, do you think there's any chance he goes to the Suns? Are the Suns close enough for Blake Griffin in terms, how close are they actually to a championship here and is he that piece that pushes them to that if he doesn't feel realistically that the suns have a chance at winning in the next two years with him under contract he's not going to be coming out to phoenix you know and as much as that would be amazing to happen getting jj watt and um 
Blake Griffin in the same uh, month. But I think that he's definitely going to end up at a team like possibly the Lakers who are missing Anthony Davis right now and definitely could use some help with that inside or the Nets. Yeah, and both those teams, like you, you know, you just made a great point. Maybe he wouldn't go to the Suns because, you know, they're they're not, you know, instant contenders. They they are a much better team than they were a few years back. But, you know, the Nets and obviously the Lakers and Golden State, you know, they always have a chance of competing despite, you know, Golden State's kind of not so good record right now. Going to, Noah, do who's your favorite to get them? I mean, do you see the Nets getting them or, you know, possibly Golden State? I think it's got to be the Nets. Like everyone was saying, I think they're definitely going to try to figure out something with those contracts and just move move money around to different years on on different players and kind of just find a way to slip Blake Griffin in there. I, I mean, they've already got DeAndre Jordan, who's been doing a decent job as a, as a veteran center uh, coming in for the Nets. So bringing in Blake would kind of give him an extra break as well. And they could maybe work the work that workload between the both of them. And then we could maybe see something special between them because, I mean, if they're playing less minutes – they've got more energy when they do play. So I think that that might be kind of a, a plus for the Nets. Not that the Nets need anything else really right now, because, I mean, let's be honest, absolute offensive powerhouse going into the second half of the season. So, but yeah, I, th- I think the Nets are probably going to end up getting him. The Warriors would be an interesting one, but I think it's just got to be the Nets, the way the way things are going to end up falling out and working. Yeah, and if, uh, you know, if the Nets were to get him, is that the ultimate juggernaut team? Is that just the team you always pick in 2K? I mean, you got, you know, three of the best scorers in the league with a high flyer like Blake Griffin. I mean, Evan, is that a team you just always pick in 2K? I'm a loyalist, man. I always stick with my Milwaukee Bucks. But if you if you suck at 2K, yeah. Hey, yeah, that's a, that's a point. Noah, would you, I mean, would you assume that, you know, this um, move, if you were to go to the Nets, that would make them, you know, just the favorites above the Lakers and the Clippers and everybody else? Yeah, it, it would be no question at that point. I think the, the Nets are already a team that everyone's looking at to be that team that's just going to end up taking over in the second half possibly and just running it all the way to the finals and probably winning. But yeah, I think the addition of Blake Griffin just just pushes in that little bit more and just gives them just a tad bit more of like confidence almost and like an even better chance of winning a championship, which they don't need, but it, it would be good for them. <laughs> you know, like they say, more is always better. And with this addition, if they were to get Blake Griffin, I mean, you know, like you both said, they're just, they might be unstoppable and they just simply just have too much talent where other teams, you know, they just couldn't keep up. Even the Lakers, you know, with AD and uh, LeBron. So I think that'd be very interesting. Well, thank you for your uh, time. This has been the first part to your Double Double Weekly Podcasted Edition. And I am your host, Connor Schritzma, signing off. Hello and welcome back to this second half edition of the podcast, the Double Double on the weekend. I am your host, Noah Dakin, joined by Connor. Connor, how are you doing? Great, man. Awesome co-host. And today our guest is Casey. Casey, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Looking forward to the weekend. Already started, but looking good so far. Right, exactly. And time to talk about a little bit of football. So we've talked about what we thought were the one through five draft picks recently on our show. So it's going to go down the list. We're going to end up talking about the sixth to 11th pick. So starting off with that sixth pick, uh, going over to you, Casey, what do you think the what do you think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to end up doing with that? So for my original draft, I had to look back at the previous podcast to kind of remember who I picked for the one through five. But an interesting pick, I think they need a quarterback. And I think Justin Fields is still on the board on my draft, at least. So I think they'll go with him. Um, I think he's just the most logical pick. He's probably the best quarterback coming off the list at number seven, which would, or yeah, number, no, at number six, right? Or seven, six. Yeah, six. So I think it'd make the most logical sense to pick the best quarterback on the board and just snap him up while they can. Right, exactly. And I mean, with the recent departure of Carson Wentz, uh, you've kind of, they're going to they're gonna end up kind of leaning on Jalen Hurts or going for a new quarterback. And personally, I'm with you, Casey. I think they're going to end up picking a guy like Justin Fields to try to just get a fresh start. Uh, just a huge quarterback selection out of this draft this year. So Justin Fields being one of those top three quarterbacks that you can pick, I think he's definitely got to be one of their main targets. But, I mean, let's be honest. Let's talk about that wide receiving core as well. Your best wide receiver can't be Alshon Jeffrey. 
So if they do end up not going for a quarterback, I think it's going to be one of those Alabama boys that gets the pick in Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle. If they end up dropping to him, uh, it's those those wide receivers are kind of a throw up right now. I mean, they, they could go up or down in that draft order. They're they're kind of just kind of limbering between one and ten. I, I mean, they could go anywhere at this point. But going over to you, Connor, what are we look, what are we looking at for these Philadelphia Eagles? What are they going to go for? Pick number six, I have the Eagles taking Devonta Smith, wide receiver out of Alabama. You know, like you said, they're, they're wide receiver. You can't have Alishon Jeffrey as your best wide receiver. I mean, if you're going to go with Jalen Hurts, you need to get him that number one target. It can't be Alishon Jeffrey. And Alishon Jeffrey, I mean, he's hurt, it seems like, three quarters of the season. So you got to move on from that. And I think Devonta Smith is the perfect, you know, pick for this. I wouldn't go with, you know, any other wide receiver because he is, you know, one of those guys that we've seen him perform year in and year out. And after all, he is a Heisman. I mean, when's the last time a uh, wide receiver has been a Heisman? I believe it was like 19, in the 1990s with Desmond Howard whenever he graduated. But yeah, it, it just never happened. So, you know, you have a great team player. And, you know, if you're a Heisman, you're, that says it all. You're a Heisman. Exactly. And of course, the Eagles, they, they need quite a few pieces, I think, in this offseason. Definitely need to bolster that wide receiver core like we've been talking about. Uh, they, they, we saw some flashes in a guy like Travis Fulham, who may come up to be something special uh, in, those, in that five-game stretch over that last season. But now going on to our next team, the Detroit Lions with the seventh pick. So going over to you, Casey, what do you think the Detroit Lions are going to end up doing with this? So I've seen a lot of draft boards recently, and it looks like they're trying to go for a wide receiver at this point. And the one wide receiver that's still on my board is Jalen Waddell. So I'm going to go with him at the number seven pick. It just makes sense. They're looking for a wide receiver, and he's the best on the board, best available wide receiver, because I already got rid of uh, Devontae Smith at number three. So Jalen Waddell makes the most sense, in my opinion. Right. And of course, that Detroit Lions team uh, possibly losing Kenny Galladay, uh, if he decides to stay or not, still up in question. And losing Matthew Stafford, but getting Jared Goff, decent addition. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of maneuver that, whether they end up trying to go for another wide receiver, like you're saying, or maybe go for some more defense. Because talking, watching that last season, I feel like the Detroit Lions, especially their cornerbacks, were just giving up too many too many tosses, too many easy catches. So I think for, for my pick, I think they might go a little lower and kind of go for one of those one of those top cornerback picks and maybe Caleb Farley or maybe Patrick Certain, uh, maybe to just bolster the defense. But I think I think overall, you're right, Casey, that offense definitely needs the most work. So a wide receiver is probably going to get picked up. But Connor, going over to you, what do you think of this Detroit Lions pick? Where are they going to go? I'm with Casey. I think they're going to go Jalen Waddle. I think, you know, in my uh, mock draft, I think you're going to take Alabama wide receivers back to back. I mean, I think, you know, I think he'd be a great fit with the Lions. I mean, you just got a new quarterback in Jared Goff, and I think he will need that help that you did say Kenny Galladay is possibly gone. So they definitely will need uh, more wide receivers because, you know, Goff was used to having having a great wide receiving core when he was with the Rams. And I think, you know, Jalen Waddle, he's very underrated. I mean, there's a quote from the Alabama wide receiving core when Henry Ruggs was there, he had Waddle as a more explosive player than Henry Ruggs. And we all know Henry Ruggs what, ran like a 4-2-6. So, you know, Waddle is also going to be one of those explosive speedsters, you know, who can, you know, they just need to shape the offense around him like Tyreek Hill. I think he can be, you know, maybe not as good as Tyreek Hill, but I think he can be similar in nature. So, you know, that's where I'm going to go with that pick. And of course, with the addition of Jared Goff, not to talk about it again, but a young QB coming in there, uh, only 26 years of age, uh, I think he's going to have a lot to prove for himself. So I, I really couldn't see them going anywhere but a wide receiver, like you guys are saying. Uh, I don't think a quarterback is in the question. I think they're definitely going to stick with Jared Goff. I mean, he's shown his stuff. He did a great job on the Rams. So, I mean, coming over here. Uh, he's he's kind of it's a little bit of a downgrade for him so it's kind of going to test his skill to see if he can still perform in that kind of situation but going on to this eighth pick we've got the Carolina Panthers now the Panthers are kind of in need of a lot of stuff but thank goodness they don't need a running back and Christian McCaffrey coming back this next season off of his injury uh, but yeah Teddy Bridgewater is that is that quarterback so I'm kind of interested to see if they decide to stick with him or if they're maybe going to try to go quarterback as well being that there are so many quarterback picks in this draft but going over to you Casey where do you think they're going to go with this pick I think they're going to go with the best available player and it, I can't believe he's still on my board but Penny Sewell is <laughs> still on my board at number eight so I think he's the best player to fit this team right now I mean being on the offensive line we all know what he can do he's in crazy he's a crazy athlete to just begin with so I think 
just best available, Penny Sewell is probably the best pick for them. And you can kind of shape your offensive line around him as well. And they, like you said, the Panthers do need a lot of help. So there's one hole, I guess, you could plug <laughs> with Penny Sewell. Right. And honestly, considering whether they would end up sticking with Teddy or they would maybe drift to try to get that one of those lower-ranked quarterbacks, I was thinking maybe Trey Lance might be an option for them. Uh, if they decide to kind of kind of take a turn away from Teddy. But since last season, he really didn't do too bad. Uh, I think if they give him maybe another season or two, he might be able to evolve into a lot better quarterback. But for this one, I'm going to have to go with Kyle Pitts. I think the Carolina Panthers have had quite a drought in that tight end position for a really long time. And bringing in the number one rated tight end out of college in Kyle Pitts might give them a little bit of pizzazz, might give someone, might give Teddy someone to pass to a little more. And maybe if they kind of spark a connection, they might make something spectacular happen. But going over to you, Connor, where do you think the Panthers are going to go with this one? I mean, like you, I have Kyle Pitts going number eight, but I do not have him going to the Panthers. If you can recall from last week's mock draft, I had the Jets and the Panthers switching picks, so from two to eight. So I think the Jets are going to pick Kyle Pitts at eight. I mean, I think they're going to be looking for that, you know, big size tight end because they don't have it. They don't have a tight end right now, basically. I mean, they do, but you know, not starting material. So I think picking a, you know, good tight end like Pitts. I mean, he's six six two forty, and he's got blazing speed. I mean, he he can probably run a four five four four, which is wide receiver speed. So I think you know he's just going to be a mismatch for defenses. And I think he's not like one of those uh, flashy players. So I think he'll fit in right with the Jets. He won't need that, you know, attention right off the bat. So I think, you know, he can be a good team player there. I, he gives me flashes of Darren Waller and maybe Travis Kelsey at times. So I think he's got a lot of potential with the Jets. Yeah, like you said, Connor, I mean, I was going to mention, we've seen what a good tight end can do for football teams. Uh, Travis Kelsey, obviously winning that Super Bowl with the Chiefs. And George Kittle making the Super Bowl with the 49ers. I mean, he just had an absolutely fantastic season that one time. So, I mean, Kyle Pitts might be able to come in and be that, that third option as a tight end and possibly surpass those two eventually even. But going on to this next pick, we've got the Denver Broncos. Now, the Denver Broncos are an interesting team. They've kind of got a lot of situations as well that aren't, aren't going their way, really. Um, but going over to you, Casey, what do you think the Broncos are going to do with this pick? Well, I had Kyle Pitts going to them, but now that I'm thinking about it, they might go for a corner. So I'm trying to think whether they would go for Kyle Pitts if he was still on the board or they'd go for Patrick Sertain. And I'm trying to figure out which one they would go for and what's their need right now. But I think I'm going more towards Patrick Sertain than I am Kyle Pitts. So I'm going to go with Patrick Sertain at that pick. Yeah, no, that's super good. Uh, that's, uh, that's honestly a great pick, I think. Uh I think they're going to stick with Drew Locke, honestly. Uh, coming in, he had a, a – yeah, I know. I see you shaking your head over there, Connor. But I think Drew Locke, if you just give him a little bit of an opportunity here, maybe bolster that offensive line a little bit or maybe maybe up the defense a bit. I mean, we saw what he was doing with Jerry Judy. Uh, they had a decent connection in this first season. So with, with my pick, I honestly think that if, if he falls far enough, they might go with someone like Rashawn Slater or maybe even Christian Derrishaw to kind of bolster that, that side of the ball um, and, and kind of add a, add a little bit of power and a little bit of star power to that kind of position. But going over to you, Connor, who do you think they're going to go with this one? I'm a Broncos fan, and that's tough to say because they've sucked for the last five years. I mean, I've been a lifelong Broncos fan. And I think this uh, draft really depends on the, their whole offseason situation. Can they get Deshaun Watson? I mean, it's a Hail Mary, but can they do it? Or do they pick up, you know, a free agent to give Drew Locke some competition? Do they pick up a Gardner Minshew or just someone like that where they're going to stick with Drew Locke for another year but have a good backup? But with that being said, if they don't get Deshaun Watson, I think they're going to go with the quarterback. Whoever falls to him, it could be, you know, it could be, I don't even know, it could be Justin Fields if he falls that far. So I think, you know, if he does fall that far, they will pick Justin Fields. Um, but if not, they'll probably go with Caleb Farley, you know, just a very good DB they just lost A.J. Bouye in free agency, so I think they need to replace him. And I think they're really going to try to recreate that no-fly zone and just like the 2014-2015, just try to rebuild that Super Bowl team, obviously with different players, but just try to replicate what they did a couple of years ago. Right, exactly. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's I agree with you, Connor, and I'm not even a fan. It has been tough to watch that Denver Broncos team, especially over these last couple of years. They, they kind of get caught in those situations where they're just rotating through these the, these positions and it kind of just never gets set. And so nothing nothing solid ever like starts going, which is tough. So maybe bringing in a guy like that would kind of bolster that and maybe gives them someone to lean on. But going to this next pick, the 10th one, the Dallas Cowboys. 
Now, this is a kind of interesting one because, I mean, let's be honest, they, they really don't need any help at wide receiver. They have quite a few powerful weapons there and, and guys like Gallup who are coming up in the league, Amari Cooper, who's been pretty fantastic for them, and then CeeDee Lamb, who's, who looks like he might end up turning into a superstar in these next couple of seasons. Going over to you, Casey, where do you think the Cowboys are going to go with this pick? So my whole draft is all messed up now because I switched Kyle Pitts with Patrick Sertain. So I think I'm going to draft, which I originally had at 12, but I think they're going to go with Caleb Farley at the number 10 pick instead. I'm, my, my draft's all messed up now, but whatever. But I think they'll go with him, uh, solidify their defense a little more because they were atrocious on defense last year. So I think that will help them out. Right. And I mean, like you were saying, that, that defense was a little tough. It kind of was a, a Russell Wilson situation for Dak in those first couple of games. Uh, he was just absolutely launching cannonballs over over in that offensive side uh, and obviously had a great start to that season. Uh, unfortunately, getting injured. Um, so going into this, I was kind of wondering whether they were going to end up maybe drafting a quarterback just in case. Uh, I, I know that's that might have been a wasted pick for them. So what I'm going to recently go, what I'm going to originally go for as well is I'm going to have to go with you, Casey. It's either going to be Caleb Farley again or another cornerback that's kind of up in that up in that uh, ranking that's going to come in and maybe bolster that defense because they have a, a decent defensive line. I just feel like those corners are kind of faulty a little bit there. Uh, so I do like that pick with Caleb Farley. That's what I went with as well. But Connor, going over to you, what are we looking at for the Cowboys pick? I had the Cowboys getting Micah Parsons from Penn State. I think he's, you know, he's a really good linebacker. You know, he gives me flashes of Devin White, Devin White from the Buccaneers and Levante David, you know, both on the same team. And I think they're both, you know, just great athletes. Uh, Devin White, amazing speed. And like, like um, Devin White, I think Micah Parsons has that speed. And, you know, he's a great cover man. Uh, he can also rush, you know, not really knowing, known for his pass rush. But I think, you know, more, more and more NFL teams are looking for, linebackers who can cover those fast tight ends like Kelsey, like Kittle, just those talented tight ends that, you know, DBs are too small to guard. So I think they are, you know, teams are going to start looking more for that speedy linebacker. And I think, you know, with Micah Parsons, that's what the Cowboys are going to get. Right, exactly. And now going into our 11th pick, our final one that we're going to be talking about here are the New York Giants. Now the New York Giants are kind of a toss-up team. Uh, they're definitely not as good as some other teams, but Let's be honest, it, you can, it's hard, kind of hard to pinpoint what, what reason or what side of the ball that's kind of attributed to. So going over to you, Casey, where do you think they're going to go with this? So I actually have a wide receiver coming off the board here at number 11 with Kadarius Toney. Um, I think he'll be another weapon on that offense. And I've, it's kind of weird because I don't know where to start with the Giants because they're kind of all over the place. So I think bringing in a wide receiver to be just another weapon on offense might help them. So I'm going with him, Kadarius Tony, at 11. Yeah, you know, I'm going to have to agree with you again on this one, Casey. But I think if they could, they, they might want to maybe trade their pick to a little lower uh, to kind of go for some of, those, some of those lower wide receivers on the board, like Rondell Moore and Rashad Bateman, because uh, I think – I think that could really help uh, Daniel Jones kind of not have to rely on some of these guys that are kind of inconsistent, you know, uh, for, on that wide receiver end. So, yeah, I've got probably, I've got Rondale Moore going to the Cowboys, whether that be if they pick him early or if they maybe try to trade a pick to go a little lower just so they can kind of get an asset or two here just for that. But going over to you, Connor, what do you think they're going to do with this pick? I mean, your point to them, you know, trading back to get more assets, I think they're going to do that. And I think they're going to swap picks with the Patriots. I think, you know, Mac Jones is going to be sitting around here, you know, quarterback from Alabama, and I think the Patriots are going to take him. You know, he's not, you know, the top quarterbacks in this draft, but I think, you know, he had a great senior bowl. And, you know, senior bowls are usually one of those things where it's more the experienced guys that do well in that game. So I think that's what Bilicek wants. He wants an experienced guy. I mean, Brady was his guy, you know, the most, one of the most knowledgeable quarterbacks, if not the most knowledgeable quarterbacks. And, you know, Mac Jones seems like a very smart kid, you know, seems like he knows his reads pretty well. So I think they're going to go with, you know, a uh, more prototypical quarterback, similar to Brady. Obviously, he's not going to be Brady, but I think they're going to go with Mac Jones. Yeah, that's a super interesting pick uh, coming in with that. Uh, Daniel Jones, obviously, uh, has been there for a couple of years now. Uh, kind of started to show what he could do, and it hasn't been fantastic to say the least. Uh, it's kind of been—I'd say it's kind of been summed up by that that near touchdown rush that he had, where he fumbled at the ten the ten yard line almost. Uh, I think that can kind of sum up how he's performed 
in his role. So I, I do like that Mac Jones pick coming in, seeing if they can maybe freshen it up a little bit and get something else going in that quarterback position. But now we're going to talk about the real football. Soccer <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> uh, and we're going to be talking about specifically teams that are fourth through eighth in the table. Now, this is an extremely co- close race here. We've got Chelsea in fourth place right now, sitting at 47 points. They just won their last game. And Tottenham being in that eighth position, which is tough to see because, I mean, they had a great start to the season, but sitting at 42 points, which is really only a five-point difference through those, through those teams. So just run, running down that list, starting with Chelsea, uh, how do you think Chelsea is going to end up this rest of the season, Casey? Do you think the, their remaining schedule is enough for them to maybe stick to that fourth spot? Or how do you think that's going to turn out? Chelsea's in a weird position. I mean, we all saw what their transfer was like, transfer window was like, and they brought in big names and they spent a lot of money doing it, bringing in Timo Werner, uh, Zayek. I mean, they brought in a lot of good name players to boost that offense, and it just hasn't been working as well, especially since Lampard took over. It looked like the Lampard was going to be a promising manager, ended up not being a promising manager, and they got rid of him. So I think I don't know whether a new manager. I don't. I forgot who they got, but I don't know if the new manager is going to keep them at the four spot. They're kind of an in, inconsistent team, and they're not scoring a lot of goals. So I see them falling further down the table, not going up more, because they just can't score. So, yeah. Right, and of course, when they bring in a big name like Timo Werner, uh, you kind of expect them to kind of be a little more prolific on that scoring end. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, I do have to mention this. Uh, they are coming off a 1-0 win against Liverpool. Uh, which is just an absolutely tough scene. Yeah, that was absolutely just, I won't go into it, but I mean, coming off of that, looking at the rest of their schedule, it's looking pretty well. I mean, April 3rd, they've got West Brom. And then after that on the 10th, they got Crystal Palace. So I think if they kind of get a a role going here, they might be able to kind of carry that and kind of keep it going through this rest of the season and stick in that fourth spot. But going over to you, Connor, what do you think about Chelsea? Where are they going to end up? You know, I think Chelsea, I think they're going to, you know, probably end up around that five or six position. I don't think they're going to make the Champions League, but I think their win against Liverpool was very notable because, you know, Liverpool is also in the conversation to, you know, hopefully get into the Champions League. So that was a key victory for Chelsea in that and, you know, a defeating loss for Liverpool. But, you know, they've they've been doing decent in the last couple of games. I mean, of their last five games, they've won three of them and they have two draws. So you really can't complain much about that. They're, you know, s- slowly climbing up. But I'm not sure if they'll be able to continue this because there's a couple of teams behind them that, you know, I think will surpass them at some point. Right, exactly. So Chelsea, Chelsea's, I think, you're, we're, like we were talking about, has a decent thing. I think it, it is looking like they're going to end up somewhere fourth through sixth. Uh, I think kind of trending towards the fifth or sixth spaces. If they can kind of keep it up, it's going to be questionable. But now going to our fifth place team in Everton, who is coming off three wins, uh, pretty decent. Uh, a couple a couple of one goal wins against Southampton and West Brom, which isn't too fa- fantastic. But I mean, they've got a decent, solid kind of run going here. Uh, Casey, what do you think about this Everton team? Where are they going to end up? So initially, I thought Everton was actually going to be competing for a Champions League spot because of all the signings they did, and that was a. I think it was kind of a thing with Chelsea as well. They made so many signings. I mean, Chelsea brought in some attacking options while Everton brought in some midfielders like DeCorey and Hamas Rodriguez, who were really sparking in the beginning of the season and kind of fell off. And now they're starting to pick it up again. And Rich Harleyson's also been on fire. If they can get Calvert-Lewin to start scoring some goals again, then I think they could possibly stay at fifth, but I don't see them moving to the top four. I just don't see it right now. Um, they're still trying to figure out what they're doing offensively and defensively. They're kind of shaky. So with that being said, I think they'll stay in the number five or even number six. And I mean, to, to mention it real quick, which is always kind of a shot in the dark. Uh, I mean, last season, he was saying some ridiculous things about him possibly being on par with Virgil van Dyke, which is just absolutely criminal to be stating like that i mean that is just disgusting but and i know that's bad i think I, <laughs> yeah and of course with issues like with calvert lewin like you said uh, if they can maybe get him going uh like like you were saying kind of getting him connected with james rodriguez seeing if they can get like a, a passing kind of good a good assist to goals kind of thing going i think they might be able to maybe finish in that in that top five uh, maybe reach the F, maybe get to that FA Cup spot. 
Uh, but I really don't see them making a push for that Champions League spot. I just don't. I think it's a little bit too little too late to try to kind of bolster that team and kind of keep going. I mean, again, looking at the rest of their schedule, they kind of are going into a couple of easy games. Uh, Crystal Palace and Brighton being their next two. Uh, or I'm sorry. Actually, we're gonna see we're gonna see Chelsea against them, which is a super interesting one. Uh, I think that'll kind of be a kind of a decider as to which way those teams are gonna kind of trend. Uh, I think that's gonna be super interesting. And then again, after that, towards Burnley. Burnley isn't anything too fantastic, so they'll probably probably get a little bit of a bounce back one game on that. But Connor, going over to you, what do you think of this Everton team? Where are they going? I mean, you talked about the Everton-Chelsea game coming up, and I think that is going to be a key game to determine, you know, what team's going to go up after this game and what team's going to da- go down. I mean, I think if, you know, Everton can win this game, they could possibly see themselves making the Champions League. I mean, if you beat a team that's that close to you in the standings, you know, that gives you a lot of confidence going forward. And they have won their last three games, so they are going down the right path. And if you continue this with Chelsea, you know, I could possibly see see them getting into that fourth spot and without a doubt, you know, I think they have a chance. They have a talented team. So, yeah, that's my take on them. Yeah, absolutely. I think with Everton, it just comes down to a big a big race for momentum. Uh, they've definitely got the star power there to kind of get something going, but it's the getting something going that's kind of going to be the issue for them. <laughs> so going to our sixth place team in West Ham. Now, this is a pretty interesting team to kind of be in the sixth place mm-hmm. in sixth place in the Premier League. I mean, they've kind of just got a, a couple of decent players here. And in, in recently, uh, the, the the recent transfer in Jesse Lingard just for the season was kind of a big bolster to them. So going over to you, Casey, what's West Ham looking like? Where do you think they're going to end up? I think this is the shock of the Premier League season. It was kind of like Aston Villa in the beginning of the season where Aston Villa was like top of the table or first or second or third. And we're just like, what's going on? And then West Ham just started winning games out of nowhere. And this is weird because West Ham in the beginning of the season – they were like their management and their like owners and everything was just terrible. Like the chemistry was awful and all of a sudden they're in sixth place and we don't know how it happened, but I mean, they have been getting good contributions from Michelle Antonio who's been scoring goals. And then they also have a midfielder from the Czech. That's actually a really good defensive mid that's actually been scoring goals too. So it should be interesting to see where they fall to, but I don't see them keeping this form. I mean, their next three games are against Leeds, who's also very, like, pesky. They're always on top of the ball. I mean, they're always going 120%. And then you play Manchester United, who should be a wrap for Manchester United, but Manchester United has been struggling to score goals, so you just never know. And then Arsenal. Arsenal's been trying to keep form and then losing form, so you never know with that game. But Arsenal's always scary, especially with the Pierre and uh, Aubameyang and then Lacazette I mean they have a really good uh, top two on the attacking side so it should be interesting to see where they fall but I don't see them staying up and I don't see them making the Champions League they're just they're just one of those weird teams I, they're not a Leicester story yet right and like you're saying I, I like to compare West Ham to last year's Sheffield Sheffield United I mean that was just a team that really didn't have that many that many star players on it. I mean, it was just a team that kind of went out there every week, gave it 110%. And I mean, they ended in ninth place, which wasn't too fantastic, but they were able to get up there in the premier in the premier league standings like West Ham have. And I mean, I just like to compare them to that because it seems like West Ham, like you were saying, Casey is just one of those teams that kind of has a couple of decent players that kind of are just really good at playing their role and, and kind of giving their all to it. And that's, what's kind of keeping them in there. So yeah, I think it's just tough to see if they're going to be able to kind of battle through this next section of their schedule uh, and kind of keep that momentum. Because, I mean, Man United is going to be the big tough one, I think. I think that's my, that might be a decider as to whether they kind of keep their keep their strength going and kind of push for maybe that, that FA Cup or that Europa League spot or something. So uh, it's just tough. But going over to you, Connor, where do you think this West Ham team is going to sit? I think they're going to fall off. I mean, their next three games, like um, – you guys said they're winnable, but they are, you know, teams that, you know, do go 120%. They're always on the ball. So I think, you know, they have to win those next three to even be in contention to get in the Champions League. I mean, if you're not going to be, you know, decent teams or even teams that are lower than you in the standings, you're not going to get there. So you got to be all the teams that are lower than you. And you got to even, you know, pull up some upsets over against, you know, Manchester City, Manchester United. You really, you, you just can't count your chickens before they hatch. You got to win the games, you know, that are, easier wins that's just the key for them exactly and going on to our seventh place team in the premier league liverpool oh man oh gosh i guess we'll just talk about it a little bit here but 
losing their four out of their last five games. I mean, coming off a disgusting one nil loss at home to Everton, that was just that was just a real t- or to Chelsea. That was a real tough sight. Um, they've lost five games now at home this season, and they have not done that in 128 years of Premier League football. So, I mean, if that tells you Liverpool's having an off year, I mean, that should be all you need to know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is just an absolutely, it's been a tough year for Liverpool fans, especially uh, just seeing your, seeing these main guys, especially after losing Jordan Henderson, that was kind of the nail in the coffin. I mean, he's the heart and spirit of the team and seeing him go down, it's, it's not only a blow to the fan base, but it's a, it's a blow to the whole organization. I mean, he was that guy that was the captain for their Champions League win first time in 30 years. It was just absolutely fantastic. And so seeing him go down is just definitely a, a morale. Just It just destroyed morale. So going over to you, Casey, how is Liverpool looking in this, this end of the season? How are they going to end up? Be honest. Okay, I'll be honest. Okay. Um, I think they do have a chance to be sixth, and that's the last thing I'm going to say. I mean, the injury bug just hit them hard this year, losing Virgil van Dijk, Jordan Henderson. I mean – Firmino's just not been Firmino this season. Everybody's even talking about getting him out of the door and bringing somebody else in already when he's been their catalyst on offense for the last three, four years. So, I mean, it's weird to think about that Liverpool's going to finish sixth, maybe fifth if they get a string of games together, but their defense is just really shaky right now. Losing Virgil and Jordan Henderson just killed them. And I don't see them coming back this season, but look forward to next season, Liverpool fans. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll be trying to, right? But I mean, at, like you were saying, Casey, that defense just took the biggest hit of all. Uh, losing Virgil van Dijk, of course, for the rest of the season. Then losing guys like Joel Matip and Joe Gomez, who just are two also good centerpieces that work really well alongside Virgil. I mean, it's just a tough scene. You've got guys that have come in, though, uh, like Thiago. He's been able, he's been doing pretty uh, decent in the midfield. Um, and then it's just, it's just a really tough scene with injuries, I think, is what it's going to come down to when you're talking about what stopped this Liverpool team. Uh, I really can't think you can call it a, a, a winning season slump because it was, it's, they just got riddled with injuries, and there's just nothing else really you can talk about because that's pretty much the main point. But, Connor, going over to you, uh, what are some of the things that you thought brought Liverpool down to the seventh place, and where do you think they're going to end up now? I think they're going to continue to fall, and – you know, I attribute this to all their injuries, like you said. I mean, they'd be a very good team if it wasn't for all their, you know, key players getting injured. I mean, once you have your key players injured, you can't really compete at the same level. And, I mean, they just lost, you know, in their last five games, they lost to Chelsea and Everton. And those are teams you got to beat because you're competing against them to get into the Champions League. And losses to them, it just really hurts. So, I think that was, you know, the nail in the coffin for them. Right. And of course, as a Liverpool fan, I am truly hoping that they kind of find a way to scrounge into that fifth place spot, hopefully find a place in the Europa League. That would be that would be interesting just to see them kind of stick in it. But now going to our eighth place team, which is kind of a surprise uh, in Tottenham. So Tottenham obviously had a pretty hot start to the season. Uh, I mean, they have guys like Harry Kane and Human Son, and those guys are just absolutely electric on the offensive side of the ball. But just recently, they've just kind of been 50-50 as to whether it goes down, you know, and offense and defense. But going over to you, Casey, what's kind of led to them being in this eighth place spot, and where do you think they're going to end up? I like Tottenham, and I it, they started off so well. Harry Kane and Youngman Son started on fire. I mean, on fire. Harry Kane had more assists than he's ever had in six games than he had the whole season last year, and he was on fire, scoring goals and assisting, setting up Youngman Son. But I just think where it let them down, they were just – they're not a cohesive unit. They never really have been, and that always – they have really good players. Don't get me wrong. Like, they – they have great players. They have great names, but I think they just need to find some consistency. I mean, they brought in some good players during the off season, like Sergio Reglion, who's supposedly a top five left back in the league. Um, but he just hasn't been all there yet. I mean, he's still working into the Premier League system, which is way different than Spain. But I do see them moving up the table. And I'm going to say a really hot take. And I think it's going to be because of Gareth Bale. I mean, Gareth Bale just came back. He, he's looking fit. He scored two goals and assisted one uh, a week ago. And he's actually starting games now. I think he's starting to get his confidence and his form up back up. So having a front line of Harry Kane, Gareth Bale, and Hungman Son in the attack might be the difference maker in this Tottenham team. And I see them moving up to at least fifth, maybe even get a Champions League spot. Hot take, but I'm saying it now. 
Yeah, I mean, to be honest, that's that's fair. I mean, Gareth Bale coming in very hot for them. Uh, it's it's fun to see him kind of come back to his old team and maybe start doing. Hopefully, you'd hope to see him do as good as he used to for them. Uh, but yeah, I think it's also going to come down to getting some of these midfield guys involved. Like we've got guys like Eric Dyer who kind of need to get going. Deli Alley, especially, I think, is one of those big names that kind of has started to slump a little bit. And I think it's kind of to his own doing. I think he kind of gets in his head a little bit and kind of kind of just falls falls off. But I think he needs to just get steady, kind of work with the team well, mm-hmm. and just get something going. Because I think you're right with Gareth Bale kind of going on this hot streak, if they can maybe build the team around him and start start kind of getting a run going, I think they maybe could make it to one of those fifth spots or maybe even a Champions League spot. I think you're totally right. Mm-hmm. But Connor, going over to you, where do you think Tottenham's going to end the season on and how, how do you think they're going to get there? I think they're on the downtrend because I looked at their last five games and they seem like a very hit or miss team. I mean, you know, four games ago, they lost 3-0 against Manchester City. Of course, Manchester City is a very good team. But, to, you know, that's that's kind of a blowout. I mean, 3-0, three, three to zero, that's not really a close game at all. I mean, they were just getting beat from the start. And then two games ago, they had an absolutely great game against Brunley. I mean, they beat them 4-0. to zero. I mean, it wasn't, like I said, with the other game, it wasn't even close from the start. They were just overpowering the other team. So this team's just, to me, it's all over the place. I really can't get a good feel for them. And for that reason, I'm just going to say, I, I just think they're going to go down. Um, if they were to go up the leaderboards, they'd have to beat, you know, the better teams like Manchester City and Manchester United. They have to beat those, you know, Arsenal teams, just the good teams. And they'd also have to beat the bad teams. I think they would have to, you know, they just have to have a very good run, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, totally. I think it's definitely another Tottenham's another one of those teams that kind of has to rely on momentum. Uh, they had a great start to the season. I think that's what drove them to be kind of in those top spots for those first couple of weeks. But I think it kind of they lost it, and I'm not sure where. But um, they just kind of kind of lost that drive to their to their season. So I think if they kind of find that, like Casey was saying, they might have a decent run and try to maybe make it into that fifth or possibly even fourth spot. But yeah, again, that table five points between those, all those teams. It really still is a toss up. So I'm glad we definitely got to talk about that because it's going to be interesting to see where that table is looking in like the next week even. Might have to talk about that next show. But thank you guys so much for tuning into this podcasted edition of the Double Double on the weekend. I've been your host, Noah Dakin, joined by my lovely co-host, Connor, and our guests, Casey. And thank you guys for watching and have a great rest of your weekend.